Coming up next, the booking reads The Two Towers, book four. Hey everybody, welcome to the booking. My name is Nathan Robertson. That's Brandon Chastain. He's your humble and a ob- whoa. I'm your humble and obedient host. Wow, I just ceded it to you. <laughs> oh no, I've been waiting for this yeah, day. Made a All mistake. Right. Hey Crazy guys, touch. hey, it's Nathan here. Brandon here. I'm your humble and obedient host, coming at you once again from beautiful Bloomington. You know, this is fine. I'm going to roll with this. Yeah, great. I didn't really do a lot of prep for today anyway, so. Oh, wait, <laughs> neither did I. So <laughs> it's I've all got, yours. Hey, I've got uh, with me today, I've got uh, the scholar who's a baller of reading, Nathan that, Albertson. Me. Nathan, why don't you introduce the other? Nathan, did she even go to college? <laughs> uh, you know, it's possible. Yeah. I've, I've been inside colleges before. There you go. So he's been. And I've learned things. Yeah. Uh, scholar. You've, you've read a book, right? I've read books. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cat in the Hat comes back. Particular favorite of mine. I'll introduce the other guy. Sounds good, Nathan. It's... I asked you to, so you probably should do it since I'm the host. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I'm always really obedient to the host. Oh, yeah. You are. Because the host is awesome. The host is... Yeah. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. <laughs> oh, Nathan. Take it back. Take it back. No, no. Brennan, no. It's, it's all yours. I don't want it. <laughs> no. It, it, you know what? It, it can't just be... <laughs> With too much it's not power, a light comes thing t- to pass on. Yeah, you took it, and you have to figure out how to give it back. But I thought you were dead. The spider had stung you. You were all wrapped up and really weird looking, and I thought you were dead. So I took the power, and now I really regret it. It was the daddy long legs, man. I but they, the people say they're the most boys in a spider. I know, but they don't. They can't sting. Well, so nobody told just, me that. The mouths are too small. Yeah, but it was on you, and you fainted, and I thought you were dead. So I took the responsibility. Now you're back up in your chair and I want to give it back to you. Well, you'll have to figure out what the formula is for doing that because you can't unless oh, you do. Well, fine, fine. Then I'll just, I'll just do it, man. Oh, well, the whole world, Middle Earth, it, it's going to go, you know, it's going to explode. Mount Doom. We're all going to die because I was never meant for this task. <laughs> it was you. You really? were the one that's supposed to have it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, just give him the ring now, please. <laughs> Brennan, I will take it along with a five-part apology <laughs> Okay, for stealing it. All right, Nathan. He did not steal it. You gave it away. Did he, didn't he, Jake? <laughs> he has a point. No. <laughs> didn't he? You came out and you called him the humble and obedient host. Yeah, and I just... I made a slip of the tongue and he was ready. <laughs> and I took advantage. To take advantage of that. So a five-part apology. I slipped over my tongue, and Brandon grabbed that tongue and... Ran with it. And ran with it. Yeah. yeah. You probably should keep your tongue in your mouth, Nathan. I should. It's unnaturally long. Also, fun fact, I'm a frog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's... What are we doing? I guess now I've gone back to being me, so I'm supposed to introduce Jake. Am I the host now? You're the host. Oh, where's my five-part fo- apology? Your faux apology? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nathan... I'm very sorry. That was part one. I'm very, very sorry. Part two. I'm very, 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 very sorry. I need a little variety here. Um, I have never been this sorry. <laughs> I'll take it. That's part three. Okay. 
What are you sorry I'm, for? It feels like a lie. <laughs> I'm just gonna I, Nathan, I'm on my knees, metaphorically, because I can't get on my knees because I had knee surgery last summer, so I can't literally get on my knees. But metaphorically, I'm on my knees begging your forgiveness for taking advantage of your own mistake. <laughs> I think that's two. Yeah, is that two? That's five. That's four. He said that's four. We'll, we'll let it be four, but I still need a, a part five. No, I'm saying that was that was two and one. Oh yeah. Oh, was that two and one? one? So it's five. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, bone it up to six. Sweet. Well, then you <laughs> got to give that. me an apology as now. the host <laughs> of the show. Yeah, you got to give me one now to make it balance because I was only I only owed you five. All right, Brandon. I'm I'm sorry that you eat so much and <laughs> it makes you fat. Yeah. Well, I opened myself up for that, <laughs> didn't I? <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that this is the introduction to this show. <laughs> I'm sorry about all kinds of things. I'm feeling it, man. This feels great. <laughs> um, we should really introduce the other guy. Should we? I'm just the other guy. Which one of us is going to do it, though? We got to well, figure that out. You know what? Let's both do it. One word at a time. Okay. We'll bounce the words back and forth. That's everybody's favorite. Yep. Everybody loves that. Seated. Next. Two. You. Kind of. Pretty. Man. <laughs> Seated next to you, kind of pretty man. <laughs> Wait, this is like... It's... None. None. Other. Than. The. Pastor. Who. A. Is. <laughs> who A. Who A is. Who A is. Great. At. Reading. And thinking and posing and laughing and killing and dumping <laughs> and <laughs> singing. Okay. Jacob. <coughs> the Kyle. The Pencil. Nailed it. This is the time. People are so happy This is the time where we abort and start over, or we just. <laughs> oh, no, we're just plowing through this. I think we got to plow <laughs> forward. <coughs> Much like Sam and Frodo, we are going to plow forward. I can't forward. do it, Mr. Frodo. I can't do it, Mr. Frodo. I can't do it, Sam. You have to, Mr. Frodo. You can't carry it, but I can carry you, or something like that. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about the two towers. Book well, four. Why didn't Tolkien just have the eagles fly them to the mountain? <laughs> oh, Brandon. You know, Brandon, that was a question for Fellowship of the Ring part one. I think it was a question for Fellowship when we said, because there wouldn't be a book. All right, guys, let's talk about Gollum. What do you want to say? He's Andy Circus is really cool. Do you think so, Jake? No, I don't think so. <laughs> but I thought that, I think that. That's like a good provocative take for a podcast. Probably, I don't know. His his take on Gollum is good. I used to work with a gentleman, guy that I liked quite a bit, good friend of mine, and he hated Andy Serkis's Gollum. Like, if you asked him about Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, he would say- The one place he would go is Gollum. Yeah, he would like start with, well, Andy Serkis's dumb schizoid Gollum, I've got a lot of issues with, he would say. I think it's pretty great and pretty true to the book and pretty fun. I was surprised how true to the book it is because Gollum in the movies just simply is, I realize schizophrenic is not a current psychological term, but whatever the term is for that personality, disassociative, whatever, the thing where you have multiple personalities, yeah, yeah, 
in the movie, he's just straight up. There's Slinker and there's Stinker, and they talk to each other. And you can tell which one's which because he talks more evil for the bad one, and he talks really nice for the good one. Which is straight out of Tolkien. Yeah, I thought, you know, knowing how Jackson's propensity to exaggerate and make everything as bifurcated and black and white as possible, no, I... Stinker actually talks more evil. Yeah. And Slinker doesn't. And, yeah. they and Sam wakes up and hears them talking arguing. to each other, and they're arguing. Yeah. And it's basically... It basically is that cutesy scene from the movie where you're just cutting between Gollum and Smeagol. Yeah, and Sam kind of is a jerk. Yeah. Why do you think Sam Tolkien made Sam into such a jerk? It's just typical... Little-minded provincial... No, no, that's not what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, straightforward, uh, hard-working not, farm boy. He's not that much of a jerk in Tolkien. He's more of a jerk in Jackson. Not everybody's yeah, more of that's true. a jerk in Jackson. In in Tolkien, he Sam is just sort of like he's on. He knows that it's not just Smeagol. Mm-hmm. There's something else going on here, and he's not comfortable. It's off putting to him, and he has his first loyalty be to protect his master, and that's about all it really amounts to. It it's not like you know Jackson makes it a little bit more into. I'm just annoyed with this dumb. Yeah, and therefore responsible for keeping him alive. You know and. If I would just trust and be kind, then Smeagol could have won. Like, mm-hmm. that's not in Tolkien. That's it. That's Jackson. Yeah. Jackson has more sympathy for Gollum than yeah. Tolkien ultimately does. Yeah, and wants to, wants to make Sam part of the problem. If only Sam could love and accept Smeagol the way that Frodo does, then maybe <laughs> Smeagol would have won, is a question that Jackson finds interesting for some reason. But Tolkien didn't find that interesting. No. Well, Tolkien, as we've talked about before, didn't particularly find psych- psychology to be interesting. The closest we get is when we get to the Forbidden Pool. And yeah, because Tolkien does ask that question a bit there. Yeah. What, the, 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 the sense of betrayal by Frodo. Yeah. But Sam never really entered into it. No, no, no. That, that, that part is tragic when, when Gollum gets overtaken by Faramir's bros and yeah. Yeah. he feels betrayed. That's sad. Is there anything else to say about Gollum? I mean, he's a good metaphor for addiction. If you've ever been a, a smoker like I was for many years, then you, you recognize that Gollum. He's a metaphor for anybody who's in bondage to anything. Yeah. Whether they're in bondage to sin or any particular sin or any vice, whether it's smoking or drinking, drinking or, or drugs or mm-hmm. pornography or anything like that. Smoking yep. a great. The way it grows on you and becomes all consuming. And then forever does it dominate your destiny. Yes. But I don't know. Until one of you has to die. Until one of you has to die. Yep. Yeah. I don't know that there's anything more profound to say about Gollum than that. I feel like we're letting the people down, though. I mean, Gollum's one of the most beloved parts of Lord of the Rings, and there's really not that much. Well, look, it's the same problem that we run into when we try to get any meat out of any one character. Right. At the end of the day. They're really simple. They're really simple characters with really simple motivations. And that's part of the charm of them and part of, it's part of what makes them work. It's like what we always talk about. And we've already talked about this, Mm -hmm. but might as well talk about it again. It's what works with Star Wars. You get these very flat two-dimensional characters and you can identify and imagine yourself as each of them and fill in a whole lot of blanks with them. And you, you can do the same thing with the two-dimensional characters of Lord of the Rings, and that's a, a vice and a virtue, and mm-hmm. you have to accept it 
for what it is and take it on its own terms. I guess my one other hot take that I'll add to that about Gollum, I may have already said this in our Hobbit po- podcast, but he is a fascinating character in that I'm not sure exactly who his precedent is in literature and mythology and the stuff that Tolkien liked. He kind of seems like maybe he is a Tolkien. Obviously, you can find plenty of Aragorns and Eowyns and even Bilbo's and like all these characters exist in yeah the great mythologies of the world. And Tolkien's just drawing on it, but I'm not sure. Tolkien, or I think you could make an argument, at least to my knowledge, that Gollum is in fact just a Tolkien Invention. original. Yeah, and that's pretty great because he feels like a type. Actually, it feels like Tolkien just invented. A type, type, something that seems to spring full cloth out of mythology, like you could meet this guy in the Iliad or something like that, and in the Odyssey, if Odysseus came across this this type, yeah, we would we would expect to find him here. And yet, I'm not sure. I don't know, Brandon. Can you think of anybody that would be? Well, surely there's somebody who's just like you run into them on an Odyssean quest, and he is in bondage to something on some island. There some are people that give some... into dragon sickness, like in, um, I guess it's simple enough to say. There are people like in Norse mythology, you'll run across people that run into dragons and covet their treasure and become dragons themselves. You know, Tolkien was obviously fascinated by that kind of stuff. And I think Smog and all those characters grow Lewis out of that. played with it too. What's that? Yeah, yeah, Lewis definitely did with, what's his face? Eustace. Eustace Scrub. Eustace Scrub, the boy that was named that and deserved it. It's Fafner, Sigurd. Fafner, yeah. yeah. Is he the one that actually turns into yeah. a dragon? It's part of the whole cycle, yeah, Sigurd and Fafner. I and feel Siegfried. like there probably is something like that in the Odyssey too. I can't put my finger on it. Well, there's the Lotus Eaters. The Lotus Eaters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Probably yeah, be the closest. Is, yeah. There's never just that I can think of and, and weigh in folks. If you're listening and you're like, duh, why didn't you think of this moron? Then send me a text and start it. Dear moron. Yeah. Um, actually, I hope you don't have my phone number. Send me an email or that'd be weird if they had your phone number. Yeah. If you got my phone number, maybe you're my friend and you listen to this or a family member. I mean, if you th- so characters that are, there's, I don't think that there's just one guy that typifies this kind of bondage and addiction where if it wasn't for their addiction, they could be a good man. Yeah. Is this, Narcissus, yeah. Yeah, to an extent. But he just dies. Weirdly like, enough, Sidney Carton is kind of a type. Sidney Carton from uh, Tale of Two, Two Cities. Cities, yeah. But he ends up overcoming it. Right. Spoiler and he's, alert. And he's, Brandon, and he's not a monster. Jake hasn't read it yet. Oh. And that's the Tolkien, or that's the Dickens I'm convinced we'll probably do next. Have you, do you not know Tale of Two Cities? No. Oh. It would take Jake well, like three seconds to figure it out. Uh, if you read hey, book, guys, but. it's tradition for Brandon to spoil stories for right. Jake. When Sidney <laughs> Carton true. touches those pine needles <laughs> yeah. after he blows up the bridge. <laughs> he would be close, but you're thinking of someone who's also monstrous, but in their monstrousness, there's a spark of potential goodness. Yeah. There Sloth are characters. Sloth and the Goonies. Sloth yeah. and the Goonies, yeah. Well, Tolkien did draw greatly on the Goonies. Yeah. Down to the fact that Tolkin, figured, yeah. he, he cast Sean Astin as... Uh, I mean, there are characters like Gollum Sam, Sam, yeah. after the Lord of the Rings, yeah. Yeah, but I don't... For a character that does seem so... Uh, I don't know, what's the word? So mythological, so of a type, like... How about Frankenstein's monster? Frankenstein's monster could be one, but the thing about Frankenstein's monster, as conceived in the book, at least, is that he's very noble and well-spoken, actually. He's a monster, but he's a... <laughs> But he's a destructive force of nature that is yeah. aberrant and has the potential to be good, but 
is twisted and betrayed and dark and evil. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he does have all those qualities in common, but he's also just, he's well-spoken, I guess that's the big difference. You know who actually in Gothic literature comes the closest is our old friend Renfield from uh, from uh, Dracula, Dracula, the fly-eating oh, that's lunatic. True. Yeah, he's pretty close. He's, he's, he's actually pretty, pretty golem-y. Yeah. Huh. Um, Roch- Rochester. Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre. Yeah, Jane Eyre. <laughs> He's a golem, right? He's a golem. <laughs> well, there is, in Jewish fo- folklore, a character named a golem. Yes, there like, are golems. That's a, where he got the name from. A clay monster figure, yeah. right? I don't know much about that particular. The, the most that I know about golems is from an X-Files episode <laughs> where there's literally a clay monster that comes and terrorizes a neighborhood. So now I just looked it up on Wikipedia, our old friend Wikipedia, and yeah, golems are like clay figures that come and terrorize so i don't know what that has to do with what about grim there you go oh grim's fairy tales yeah i was like thinking Stiltskin type of character or yeah rumpelstiltskin wouldn't really fit but no well but, the thing about grim is it's so bifurcated between good and evil if there is a character like that he's just pure evil malice he's he not doesn't some live in some kind of gray space and he's probably not somebody that used to be there's there's all kinds of transformation in Grimm. People eat the wrong thing and turn into a donkey or something, but someone or or a beautiful woman will be transformed into some kind of ugly thing and then have to reclaim her princess, you know, <laughs> form. But I don't know that there's you have the beast from Beauty and the Beast. That but, might be the closest. Yeah. Which, and that definitely would have been before Tolkien, but Yeah, that's Charles Perrault from I think the seventeenth century, if my fairy tale lore How about doesn't betray me now that's interesting mordred is kind of close i suppose you know some of the knights that they fight like the green knight and the various knight. adversaries yeah. that they run into yeah, in the woods are kind of thinking. people that have been warped into i mean as far as also yeah some of the inspiration for Gollum is clearly grindle from beowulf but you're not you don't have any sympathy for grindle no but there is some sense of grindle having been what is Grendel's backstory? He's cursed. He's got the mark he's, of Cain. Yeah, he's, he's got from, the mark of Cain. So he actually, Grendel, there you go. That actually probably is what Tolkien was I mean, that's thinking. On, yeah, that's what, that's what he was drawing from with Gollum, at yeah. least. To an, with the crawling and getting babies out of their cribs and stuff like that, because Grendel was sneaking into the castle at night, dragging men away. Well, especially given that Beowulf and Bilbo both meet this creature in the middle of a, a dark pool type scenario. Yeah, and even if mom, it's a... But, even if you can identify the type, it's sort of like what Tolkien does with making the Hobbit's protagonist. It is a twist, yeah. like for Gollum to be so pathetic. Yeah, you know, there, there's something. There is something pathetic and sad about Grindel. You may not pity Grindel or, or whatever, but there is a a sort of like twisted childishness about Grindel. But it still takes Beowulf to defeat him. Yeah, and, you get and then Grindel's that, mom comes. Yeah, right. Which is very. Childish again, right? Like, it, but Gollum would be no match for Aragorn. Oh no, no, he wasn't. Yeah. I mean, he, he's yeah. no match he went for up anybody. <laughs> like he's he's not a match for Frodo and Sam. When right, they're on their he's game. barely a match. He's barely a match for Bilbo. Like yeah. he could have handled Bilbo, except Bilbo found the ring. But like we're talking about a Hobbit here. Yeah, the idea of Grendel is us seems to be, from what I can see. I mean, Grendel is us is kind of implicit, maybe in Beowulf, but. It's not drawn out and made into the main point. It's more Grindel is what you could be. Right. But Tolkien wants to go out of his way to make you see, well, if Frodo actually gave in, this is what Gollum he is his fate. becomes. This is the fate. Well, there you go. Uh, 
I don't know that there's much else to say about Gollum. We got some good discussion. Yeah, that. his his so. his speech patterns are original and awesome and super fun, super fun and fun to read aloud. And everybody knows how Gollum speaks, and it's not just Andy Circus. I remember Lord of the Rings before Andy Circus, and it's like, of course, you have to do that kind of a voice. That's yeah. that's just how that creature. Yeah, my kids. That's always one of their favorite parts is whenever Gollum shows up. Oh, and uh, how does how does he how does he sound? Hey there. Hey there. Okay. It's Gollum. Hiss, hiss. <laughs> I can, so, <laughs> it's like a James Bond yeah, Gollum-esque. Your, your kids prefer yeah. very urbane characters. Yeah. <laughs> They're all very Wodehousian. So, yeah. 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 Eggs precious? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, my precious there. <laughs> hey, hey, my precious there. He's like a Frank Sinatra sort of character. Yeah, well, I really think... Did we did, did have we not talked about the Frank Sinatra connection to Gollum yet? Because no, we haven't. If there is one source that he was following, uh, drawing on, it's obviously Sinatra. Gollum always wanted it his way, and <laughs> <laughs> when he was seventeen, <laughs> Air Five, <laughs> real five. <laughs> yeah, we got a real five out of that. <laughs> hey guys, those dead marches sir, are creepy. Woo. Yep. And can we talk about how much Jackson sucks at? Those dead marshes. Me and Jake probably talked about this in our movie episode. I have no clue. I'm sure we did. I'm sure we did. I mean, how much they're not like the book at all? Well, Jackson's like, it's a creepy monster, and he's going to go, rah, which isn't nearly as creepy as there's these weird flames hovering over these bodies that you actually can't reach. Like, Gollum's tried to eat them, which is another nice morbid detail, and you actually can't get get to to them. them. You just see... Well, Gollum never admits to having tried to eat them. No, but... Sam reads between the lines. Sam reads between the lines. That prejudice. He reads accurately between the lines. Hey, maybe. Could just be his prejudice getting in the way, though. Nope. Is Tolkien saying that prejudice is good? I think he is. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad we solved that. (laughs) Actually, okay. Yeah, so it's uh, Tolkien drawing on. It's like the lights in the forest from The Hobbit, which is one of my favorite parts. Mm -hmm. Um, He draws on these. uh, What's the word? You like Fey? Yeah. What's the other word that we use? Sometimes? Numinous. Numinous. It begins with an E. Oh, uh, Eldritch. Eldritch, yeah. not erstwhile, but Eldritch. Totally yeah. <laughs> draws on all the erstwhile. But like, so, you know, the um, mythology of Will of the Wisp, mm-hmm. it'll draw you away if you follow the light in the woods at night. Yeah. It draws you to your death or whatever. And so it's, um, he's able to take these uncanny aspects of fairy tales and wrap them into his stories pretty well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that and that, could... that's an element here, which is a, like you said, the burning candles that you can't get to. So, can we just say on, a, on another topic, boy, was I glad to be with, back with the hobbits. Oh, my goodness. I, I'm, I know we already talked about this and when we talked about the previous book, but man, it got to be a slog hanging out with all those heroic men. Yeah. And the most heroic moment of probably all of the Lord of the Rings. Sam and Shelob. Oh, yes. Yeah. Man, that's a good part. Are that we going to get there today? And yeah, I think we probably will. Yeah. Man, if it's a relief to get to the Hobbits and Two Towers, just wait until you get into Return of the King. Well, yeah. if it's a relief to get to the Hobbits and Two Towers, it's a bummer to get to Pippin and Gandalf riding up on Gondor. Gondor. Oh, yeah. I mean, can we just... We all love Lord of the Rings, hashtag positive energy, but... If I may be permitted to criticize anything about Lord of the Rings. Gondor. Gondor is boring. It's the lamest part. Yep. Don't care about the houses of healing. 
When Did I get it? to Gondor, I just want to be gone out the door. <laughs> exactly, Brandon. Yeah. 19 points. Thank you, Nathan. For Brandon. Out of how many? 4,052. <laughs> <laughs> so, I shouldn't have asked. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of heroic men, though, I guess we should talk about Faramir. We were burning through this book today. I thought you were going to say, we gentlemen should get back. Yeah, speaking of heroic men, though, <laughs> it's fun to podcast with you guys. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and maybe one day I'll podcast with some heroic men. Now, um, yes, uh, let's talk about that Faramir. What do you guys think about him? Do you think he distinguishes himself from, like, we've talked a lot about how all the guys, dudes are kind of the same, actually, and they're just more noble dudes. Tolkien find a, a different color to paint Faramir in, or is he just... Yeah, uh, he's a little bit like Aragorn. <laughs> <laughs> he's a lot bit like Arab, Aragorn, except it's sweet that he knows his brother Boromir so well. Yes. Yeah. And so he's got, you know, some... Alas, for Boromir, they, it was too sore a trial, all that stuff yeah it's that that knowledge of boromir is great for so many things and this was just the wrong thing for him and if there's a a little bit of shade of you know a little bit of color that he finds that's different than aragorn and eomer it's in that little part yeah that part at least so far yeah there's that and i think that while jackson completely blows this and makes it the stupidest thing ever the notion of what's Faramir going to do when he figures about, out about the ring is an intriguing plot point, and it is one of the more moving moments of honor when you realize this dude would never think about taking it. All that stuff is is pretty moving. How about those stairs of Sir Thungal? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> they sure are some stairs, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, man. <laughs> yep. And they climb them. They climb those stairs. Oh, that's where they have that uh, meta conversation about, think about the great heroes, Mr. Frodo. And those stories, the things, but I wonder what will be in our stories. Yeah. And now we're reading it. Yeah. <laughs> they always kept going. And it's a nice nod. Do you guys it. like that? Or is that like Tolkien oh, being no, too I cute? I like it. That's yeah. great, how cute it is. It is cute, but come on. It's too cute in the movie, I think, because Jackson like puts all the dumb music under it and everything how how unique was it though like of a thing to do yeah i mean odysseus is never stopping to well actually odysseus is pretty self-aware but you know what i mean like yeah i just think it was a neat trick back in 1950 whatever and 53 and 54 and i still and it's 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 nicely done it's not in poor taste no i like it well i like that sort of thing in general I usually don't like it. Like I think of like historical movies where like in like in Spielberg's Lincoln, Mary Todd Lincoln is like they're going to say that I'm crazy. Yeah, Aid. I don't like, like that. I, I don't like that kind of thing. But, you know, in a fairy tale type of situation, it it gives that wistful vibe that I really love. I don't know. I I'm ready to cut it all kinds of slack. So. Well, it's kind Maybe of like it's just my mood tonight. No, I like it. I mean, I it you're in a wistful mood cutting slack well look tolkien's not going to give you a lot of emotion with these characters yeah outside of courage and friendship and you know to have a little moment of wistfulness is a nice change of pace at this point we've had a lot of heroism and other things and so let's get a little wistful and a little meta and be able to step back and think about our place and our story 
No, no, I, I agree. And I mean, honestly, sure, I know people like to copy that and paste that chunk and put it like on Facebook and stuff. So it's kind of lost its potency a little bit, but I'm still moved when I read like, they didn't know they were in great stories. All they knew is they had well, to keep moving forward. It's like, yeah, that's that's my life. I mean, yeah, that's everybody's life. And part of the sweetness too is they're legitimately trying to motivate themselves to do something horrific. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. And it's terrifying. And, and that's, that's the thing is like Tolkien's always playing with, I mean, if there's one really great thing, he's he, there are a lot of things he's great at, but he really does such a great job of painting the, you know, doing what you can with the time that's been given you, mm-hmm. taking the next step, even though it appears completely hopeless and you know that you're walking to your death because it's the right thing to do. You don't get to decide what God and providence will allow to happen. You just get to decide whether or not you're going to be faithful and obedient and do the right, the next right thing. And that's it. And, you know, that's like Tolkien's one trick is we're just going to do the right thing, even though it looks stupid and we're probably going to die. And providence will work out a way for it to be, to, to, to honor that. That's it. That's his trick. And, you know, the world's full of Tolkien <clears throat> fans because we're all suckers for that sort of thing because it rings true deep down in one way or another. Why, when I read Harry Potter and Harry, Ron, and Hermione all live, does that feel a little cheap to me? Like Rowling didn't have the guts to actually just kill Harry. Yeah, let one of her characters suffer the consequences of how dire everything is here. Whereas with Tolkien, the entire fellowship, with the exception of Boromir, makes it. And yet, and like what you were just describing, you know, they go into these dire situations and yet i feel that like there's full weight given to the stakes of everything even though everybody makes it out how does Tolkien pull that off because it happens over and over and i was just thinking as you talked like it it really is his one trick like we're going to move forward everything's going to look hopeless and then the good old you catastrophe is going to save us and it happens over and over and over and every time it works and you're like yay i can't believe they've and you've described before on the podcast jake how your kids are always convinced that they're, yeah, the they're characters are going to die. They're convinced that they're going to die. I, you know, it's been a while since we've read Return of the King. They're still convinced they're going to die, and we've gotten through the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Right. And if your kids were like old and smug and meta, they'd be like, okay, wait a second. Tolkien always does this. He makes it as dire as possible, and then something spectacular, a deus ex machina, happens. And if they were even more sophisticated, they might say, oh, he's building up all of these deus ex machinas in order to really make the moment when they do die land. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can keep cycling around this. That's, that's what I would say. I think if I, was, I, if I was reading it for the first time. That's what I think I probably said. And mm-hmm. it's, well, no, I saw the movies, but yeah, I, I, I think that is what I anticipated happening, but that's not, you know. You anticipated Frodo and Sam dying or? I think so. Yeah. I think I did. Yeah. I think, you can see how cheap that would be in the wrong hands. Like, oh boy, the Eagles are going to save them too. Like, exactly. come on. Like, Nobody has to pay a price for this besides Gollum and Boromir right. to achieve victory over ultimate evil. Yeah. And the, the hundreds of thousands of people who weren't. That we don't care about. And faceless. But yeah, in terms yeah. of my emotional commitment to the story. Theoden. <laughs> Theoden King. Yeah. Okay. But... Yeah. Who's a, who's a Sorry, kind of a nothing character. Sauron, yeah, Sauron had to pay a price. Saruman. Oh, Sauron, yeah. Warm tongue. <laughs> Warm yeah. tongue. Warm tongue. 
Okay, yes, Brandon, you made your case. People die in this book. <laughs> but my case is that no one we care about actually dies. Gandalf dies and is resurrected. <clears throat> yeah. And that's the closest we come to feeling the weight of somebody that we love just being ripped away from us. So how does he get away with it? I'm afraid the answer might just be he's really, really good at his kind job. Of magic, yeah. yeah. I mean, in the being really good at it, he always... And I'm not there yet, so maybe this doesn't quite hold true with the eagles, but up through even the Battle of Pelennor Fields, he does set things up in a way where they feel inevitable. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't always see what's happening, but you know there's another thing. You know that Gandalf's out doing a thing, and you know, before Helm's Deep. And he makes you forget about that thing. Yeah. But he's already set it up. And then it feels sort of inevitable. And the same thing's true with Pelennor Fields. He sets up Aragorn's gone out to do a thing. And you, at that point, you know that Aragorn's going to come and mm-hmm. save the day. But you see all the pieces and you, you know, you can enter into the despair of the people looking out and seeing what they see. Yeah. And I don't know. Well, there's also a sense, and we'll see this when we get to the Arthurian legends, when people get us up to 1500. Mm-hmm. Even though the knights and people like this are in dire situations, there's a sort of, it's not necessarily, I mean, it is larger than life, but they're the heroes. They're, they're who they are for a reason. And these men are part of the fellowship for a reason. And so they don't die because they are Legolas and they are Gimli and they are Aragorn. Yeah. And so if anyone's going, I mean, they would have died had the Battle of Pelennor Fields gone differently. Not pe- that battle, the, the final battle before the Gates of Mordor. The Black Gate, yeah. Yeah. They would have died. They were dying. They were going to die there, right? Mm-hmm. And so their death was sealed. They weren't making it out of that alive. But if anyone was going to make it all the way through to that point where it was a, your death is assured, it was these characters, right? Does that make mm-hmm. sense? No, it does. Uh, it's one of those complaints that nerds make about movies that I think is is really stupid. Like I can't believe everybody in this movie about war survived. Yeah. To my mind, it's like that's why we're making the movie about this guy. He's yeah, the guy right. that survived. If, the guy yeah. that just got is, shot as he jumped out of the boat. Like, we're not going to make a movie about there's him. There's no movie to make yeah. about him. We all understand him getting shot. We all understand there's lots of guys like that. We don't make movies about them. We yeah. make yeah, movies so about the survivors. Yeah, it's right. like, I mean, the Avengers, like, none of them dies until the final movie, right? Most of them make it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want me to spoil anything. <laughs> spoil Avengers? Yeah. yeah. Kind of spoiled by now. Uh, if people don't so. know that Captain America gets decapitated. <laughs> yeah. By Scarlet Witch, then a horrible accident. Yeah, it's just in a car car, car accident, and it's it's really morbid. But it's um, a similar similar situation there. These these heroes who are have that position for a reason, making it to the end. Right. We're not learning. We're not following the story of some random Wakandan guy yeah. that these were people who were called to be a part of the fellowship, mm-hmm. and so um, and so it makes it more. I mean. And this sort of expectation, like even in war movies, makes it more effective when like uh, a movie like 19, was it 1917? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen it? Yeah. No. Uh, spoilers, right. folks. Yeah, never mind then. <laughs> no, go ahead. Are you going to see it? I don't know. It's worth seeing, right? Yeah, it's worth seeing. Yeah. I, it's, I don't think it's like a masterpiece or anything, but I, I like it. It's yeah, good. Yeah, it's good. It makes you realize how brutal World War One was. Yeah, if you want to get a any, taste for that, though. Yeah. But the person, so there are two main characters and the one that you think is the actual main character and will make it to the end actually ends up dying about a third of the way through the movie. Right. Pretty horrible death. 
But to me, that so. trick is is a good trick, but it it has to be used sparingly. It's a little bit like the detective was the murderer. You can do that yeah. every once in a while, but you don't want to make that your stock and trade. But it's because those expectations exist that those rare movies that decide to not do them are fun. Yeah, like or like Knives Out, the mystery is pretty much solved. 10 yeah. minutes into the movie. Yeah, that was a fun element of that. Or yeah. something like Murder on the Orient Express. They they all yeah. done it is fun, but only those movies now get to do it cuz if something else tries to do a knives out move. Yeah, you only you only you'll be like, "Well, that's that. just knives out." Yep. Exactly. So. I think maybe the other reason that Tolkien works, let me see if this theory works cuz I just came up with it. He actually doesn't ever magic himself out of problems. Like in other words, the rules of the way that the universe works are set down and we know them going into it and they're not suddenly subverted. Yes, an, a new army will show up or the eagles will show up, but we knew that those pieces were on the board already. Whereas with something like Harry Potter, as clever as Rowling is with plotting, it's always like, well, Harry, if you'd just known about this other magic thing, then you would have known that it would have all worked out for you, but you didn't and neither did the audience. And now here's some more information. Oh, Harry, your wand has some special bond with Voldemort's wand and it, you know, there's some pretty weird stuff that she tries to pull. Yeah. Well, and just some like, here's some more magic that you didn't know about. And yeah. like you, when your mom did this, which is fine. It's, I mean, I'm also describing what's fun about those books. Like you're just learning about more magic. But at the end of the day, there's something a little bit arbitrary about that. Mm. Whereas with Tolkien, it's like we always knew the eagles were a thing. We remember them from The Hobbit, if we've been paying attention. And, you know, we can kind of anticipate it and just be happy that it happens in time to save old Pippin. Yeah. And Frodo and Sam there at the end. Well, I guess the only other thing to talk about in this book is Shelob. Man. You guys already said it was a super cool section. It was, I, I mean, thus far, I'm into book six with the kids, but thus far it is hands down the single best part of all the books like all your kids were oh man yeah i gave a cheer when sam did it mm -hmm. yeah. they were just they were on the edge of their seats they were like cheering and exciting excited and laughing out loud yeah you know at sam mm -hmm. and yeah they think sam in sirith uncle is just like the coolest thing whether yeah. sam's running around the corner yelling I'm the elf warrior. The elf warrior is here. You know, mm -hmm. like they just think that's hilarious. And Sam going after Shelob was like right on. Yeah. Well, and part of it is because Tolkien successfully makes that section so horrific at the beginning. Like yeah. it's terrifying. You're in a tunnel with sudden openings to the side that are warm and stink like of dead corpses. And then you have the webs hanging that you can't see and then sam for some reason frodo doesn't remember until just then that he has the light <laughs> yeah that's, that's a little cheap i will yeah. say but <laughs> but he remembers at the bright moments mm -hmm. and and it's a truly horrifying i mean this thing's dr drug out of our nightmares a giant spider yeah that is demonic and worse than anything else like even sauron himself has seems to be a little concerned about shelob yeah like sauron's just like gonna let shelob do her yeah, thing because she's like some weird Ancient. Ancient. Ancient evil that mm. does not sleep. Yep. Yeah, kind of along the, you get the sense that she's like along this, he gives a description of her, right? She's, yeah, she's a spawn of Ongoliant. Yeah, which is like a Balrogian sort of demonic figure. Yeah, she right? goes back to like way, middle, way middle earth prehistory kind yeah. of stuff, yeah. And so, it's like a super villain mm -hmm. sort of figure and 
here you have Sam's going to be the first to actually. Well, and Sam is such a good uh, stand-in for any child in that situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's going dopey and feel sort of silly and powerless and is suddenly going to just blindly feel that sense of love and loyalty that's going to drive him to do the right thing despite the insanity of it and he's going to get lucky. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's what it shows you is that if you stand up and you act that way and at that moment, you might get lucky. Mm-hmm. And if you die, well, at least you... You died a hero. At least yeah. you tried, yeah. I think Shelob might be... Do I want to say she's Tolkien's best monster? She's pretty terrifying. I mean, I don't like spiders anyway. I think she's his best monster. Well, just the bulbous, many-eyed. There's something gross about her that I don't know that anything else comes close. Well and decadent. Yeah, she's she's like gorging. He uses all these words like she's just this corpulent, fat, nasty thing. Yeah, she's what makes monsters like that horrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just oozing excess, but like rot and excess. Just well, she's also very. My my theory about monsters is that the best ones are always as close to being something normal, but with just like one attribute perverted. You yeah. know what I mean? Like she's just a spider. We all know what spiders except are. She's giant except, and sentient. Yeah, except for she's giant and sentient. But it's so it's like it's something that we see every day that we all have a creep factor already about. You you make her like a giant creature that's not a spider. That's not nearly as good, actually. Yeah, but yeah, she's she's great. And then this book ends with maybe the greatest cliffhanger in literature. Yeah, bang, smash, whatever. Yeah, the doors were closed. Bang, smash, the doors were closed. Yeah, I think we'd be certainly the greatest cliffhanger in anything we've read on the bookening. True or false? Well, imagining that this was published and then you had to wait, and then you had to wait for another book. Yeah, yeah there's not really yeah. anything to compare it to in that in that sense. Well, then you turn around and then Tolkien makes you wait. And it's like, Pippin made two new friends in Gondor. They were both pretty cool. <laughs> oh, wait, you want to know more about Aragorn's what son? <laughs> yeah. He's 12 years old and a little taller than Pippin. Yep. <laughs> oh, boy, those houses sure were healing and people enjoyed being healing, healed in them. Yeah. Wait, oh, you want to know what happened to Frodo and Sam? Huh. <laughs> well, we'll get there yeah. eventually. Yeah, you do get there eventually, but I didn't realize we were going to be this hard on Tolkien's non-linear storytelling, but... I think it was his least wise decision with these books. Well, he certainly does seem to flourish when he's got a nice linear adventure story to tell. Yeah. But he's got to muster a bunch of different political factions and stuff. I mean, he does a good job, but it's not what I'm interested in, I guess. Uh, all right. Well, we managed to make it through an entire book. I mean, wow. This is our first time where we've actually made it through an entire book. We are going to tackle something from this book, I think, in our next Lord of the Rings episode, folks, which is the claims that this book, the, the Lord of the Rings as, the, as a whole, and also in particular some sections in this one with the the dudes on the Oliphants and the stuff southern like that, men. the Southern men, the Dark men, are racist. We'd like to give that its own space, and we'd like to uh, reference some of Tolkien's letters and stuff, which we don't have prepared today, but we will hopefully be back with that soon. Besides that, any other thoughts about book four of Lord of the Rings, Brandon? It's wonderful. You should read it. It's thus far the best book. Yeah. 
of any one book. If I had to rank them so far, obviously we'll rank them all at the end, but if I had to rank them so far, I think what I would do is say two, four, one, three. Yeah, two's the only one that you can stack up against four. Two's pretty awesome. In my opinion. Yeah. So you put two above four? I think so. I mean, Minds of Moria is pretty hard to beat. And yeah, yeah. Rauros. And it's nice to, it's just nice to spend time with Gandalf. I think that's that's what tips it for me actually. Is as much as I like Frodo and Sam, you do miss out on having some of those more empowered and cool characters. Yeah, you can't beat Gandalf with some hobbits. Yeah, having the fellowship together is nice. Yeah. Not too bad we can't go back to those those days anymore. Nope. The fellowship is broken. So I'm saying 2 4 what did I say? 2 4 one, three. one, three. Brandon? Hmm. I think I'm with you there. Two, four, one, three. Yeah. Two, four, one, three. And Jake? I feel like on an objective level, I can't argue with that. But you want to say four, two, yeah, I one, do. three? Yeah. I just. We all agree with the blank, blank, one, three, I guess. Yeah. I just really. Chilab is such a. I like that better than the Minds of Moria and Gandalf. Either. It's more cathartic. Yeah. It, and it, I mean. It's set up by two, it's set up by one and three, it's paying off a whole lot of stuff. So, I mean. Well, speaking of paying off, our patrons pay us off to not kill them. (laughs) (laughs) Do they? That's right. Is that why we get so much money from Patreon? Occasionally you might get a letter in the mail from us and you should probably open it if you get it. (laughs) (laughs) You you really should. (laughs) We are operating the world's dorkiest (laughs) gang. (laughs) <laughs> but what's involved in that is us shouting out our patrons. Not just all the patrons. No, well, specifically the ones that pay at least $10 a month. Yep. We like to shout them out. And we so do. that's what we're going to do. Well, let's do it. Now, yeah. Brandon, uh-huh. I would like you uh-huh. to say a nonsense word. And then <laughs> Jake, I'd like you to define the nonsense word. A nonsense word that you make up, Brandon. Oh, come on, Nathan. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't want either one of you to say a single one of the patrons' names. That's my job. So I say the patron's name. You say the nonsense word, Brandon. And Jake, you define it. Will this be the greatest moment in podcasting? Almost certainly, yes. This will definitely turn into the longest. (laughs) (laughs) Because we got a lot of patrons. (laughs) Well, let's start with Robert and Rhonda, the lovebirds. Go Arp. A... Fat slug that <laughs> lives underwater. A corp, yeah. Everybody knows that. The artful Anthony Dodger. Trinnell. A fat slug that lives in caves. Everybody <laughs> knows that. Whoa, I just got deja, deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> Have we done this before? I'm afraid not. <laughs> uh, <coughs> little Anthony Cigar Store. A plouve. A, I can see it in my mind, guys. It's like a jellyfish, but it floats in the air. Whoa, that's um, awesome. Yeah, that Jake did just drop acid, by the way. <laughs> if anyone you got it. <laughs> uh, by the way, our little Anthony Cigar Store, we should say, is sponsoring something really cool that's going on at The Booketing on Instagram, which is that Brandon is reading a poem a day. I am. And smoking a cigar at the same time. Sometimes a couple poems a day. Yeah, it's really cool. You've been going through John Donne the week that we're recording this. <laughs> yeah. The Holy Sonnet. The idea is... A different cigar each week and a different set of poems following a theme. Mm-hmm. So there and you go. Check it out. Uh, our Instagram, we're having a lot of fun with Instagram right now. So I, I encourage people, if they enjoy the show, to subscribe to Instagram. Did I say the Immortal Chelsea E? 
locally? A somebody's name for a dog who's a real big Tom Hiddleston fan. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I liked to, it. I'm trying to decide whether it was great or <laughs> a giant stretch. You thought Traddles was a bad name for a dog. <laughs> Move on. I don't know that I've ever felt such disdain from Brandon. Uh, Jimmy Beam and little Annie Oakley. Branquitity. Uh, <laughs> uh, what uh, Brandon, uh, the the alt name for Brandon's contact segments on modernism. Nice. Branquitity. I love it. Andrew and Esther, the, the lovebirds. Hoojimity. Dude, you're supposed to be making these up, not reading them off the internet. Oh, I'm not reading them off the internet. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> What, what was it? Read him off his list that I got off the internet. <laughs> who Jimity? <laughs> uh, who is Jim, indeed? Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it really saves you a lot of time on that uh, abbreviation there. The, uh, Andrew, did I say Andrew and Esther the Lovebirds? Yeah, I'm going to give Jake a taste of what he'd get if I just made these up. Bumbley Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon's pet name for his wife, Anna. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we said make it up. Yeah. <laughs> The Keith Master. Ziggledy Pop. His name for his daughter, Alyssa. Yeah. Uh, David's Mighty Men Trekking. <laughs> Monlemptuous. <laughs> and his name for Brandon's stomach. Yeah. Monlemptuous. Monlemptuous. John and Jill. my belly. John and Jill, little baby Max. Impebuous. Uh, Jeremy's name for Brandon's stomach. <laughs> Jay and Katie, who are cold and love cheese and also see us lose and kill it, including till we have faces. Shuma P8. <laughs> Shuma P8. Shuma P8. That's something that we dare not speak aloud. No, yeah. Uh, fairy, fairy Princess of Wonder and Happiness, Mother Beth. Great election. Well, it's what happens at the end in November 2020 when uh, Greta... Gets elected. Greta Thunberg is being elected Thunberg president of the United of, States. Yeah, exactly. She's oh, not qualified, man. so Congress has to, you know, pass some amendments and stuff. But yeah. It's coming. She'll cut down on those carbon emissions. Carmen, uh, Consul Prime Adam. Anna. <laughs> Let's avoid that one. Nope, say it. You have to say it now. Anopractic. <laughs> Never mind, skip it. <laughs> Jeremy, the dark-headed lord of death. <laughs> Olafarthy. <laughs> uh, well, it's... The flatulence experienced by Oliphants. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> Nathan, not me. It's, oh, uh, unanimous. It's when you think that you are anonymously full of equanimity, but you're not. You wouldn't be. Maya! Maya! Contemptuous. Well, you know, anybody that it, uh, hates cruns is contemptuous. There we that, go. That sounds like Brandon to a T right there. Orion the Red Avenger and Judith of the Ladies of Justice. Elphasis. Seems like it's a real word there. It's a, well, it's a, it's a medical condition. Yeah. For somebody who has ears like yours. Like Ooh, mine? I pity that person. Ooh, yeah. Danny the Dude. Danny the Dude. You're not supposed to do that. Oh, yeah. Follow the rules. Brandon loses. Oh. I win. It's over. Yay, All right. So just read the rest of them. Yep. DJ Sammy G, Benny DJ and Dana J. Beerius, Eric and Catherine from Beyond Window Breaks, Professor and Lady X, Lavender's Green, Dylan Dylan, Lavender's Blue, Lavender's Green, Dylan Dylan. I love you too. 
Noah Constrictor, Merit Cheap, the fair and fragrant maiden Chloe, yeah, Anthony, who is cold and hates life, liberty, and the pursuit of cheese. Jiu Jeffrey, the Texas Ranger. Leopard Tank Thomas. Leopard Tank, Leopard Tank Thomas. Thomas. Midnight Ninja Ellen. Midnight Ninja Ellen. Queen Kangeta. Queen Kangeta. Return of the Jedediah. Return of the Jedediah. Jay of Reckon Ruin. Jay of Reckon Ruin. Timothy, the Rider at Dawn. Timothy, the Rider at Dawn. Eric and Kate, the Eric Camp Champ Kings, who are warm and love bees. Manny, 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 Matt, man. Sweet Jamie Sunshine. Sweet Jamie Sunshine. Jamie Sunshine. Dun, dun, dun. There's some music going on there with us. Yep, sorry. We are being slacked. Tyler, the Keeper of Eternal Darkness, and Laura, the Keeper of Eternal Light. And Laura, the Keeper of Eternal Light. They give us money. Cold Steel Cody. Cold, Cold Steel, Steel Cody. Cody. Jacqueline the Librarian Barbarian. Jacqueline yep. the Librarian Barbarian. John Bombadillo Bomb Diggity and Captain Tennille, his mate. Bomb Diggity and Captain Tennille, his mate. Saxophone Alex. Yeah, I like Saxophone, Saxophone Alex. Alex. I like them all. And we said the Eye of Eli last week, but I don't really like that that much. I wasn't here for that. Yeah, Jake the Eye of here. Eli? Yeah. Well, first of all, Jake needs to welcome Eli, our latest what's patron. What's up, Eli? Thanks for joining us. Yo, what's up, Eli? And I think I'm, I want to give Eli kind of a cool fantasy name, so we'll call him the Scarlet Pilgrim. The Scarlet Pilgrim. Eli the Scarlet Pilgrim. Eli the Scarlet Pilgrim. I like it, Nathan. All right. Well, I'm glad you like it, Brennan. I hope Eli does. And we'll be back next week with more booking. Bye. Hey everybody, Booking Today, performed by robots, programmed to do impressions of us. Brandon, Jake, and Nathan did not actually appear on this episode. Right, Robot Brandon? That is right, Robot Nathan. (laughs) You were doing such a good impression of Brandon before. (laughs) Why did you revert to some hackneyed robot cliche from... There's only so much garbage even a robot can take. (laughs) Uh, there's only so much garbage even a robot can take right robot Jake Uh, yep see he didn't drop it these are not the droids (laughs) for which you seek (laughs) these are not the droids for which you seek alright folks obviously we can't what's the opposite of top (laughs) we can't go any lower than that so let's be done go to patreon.com forward slash the bookening pledge $170 per month and we will be able to do King Arthur stories. Hooray. <laughs> Yay.